Rock Podcast, talking all things Disney, with your hosts, L. John Goh and Dave Bossert. Welcome to Skull Rock Podcast, where every week we talk all things Disney and pop culture with never-before-heard stories, behind-the-scenes moments from some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, performances, books, music, and much more. I'm your co-host, Al John Goh, musician lifelong Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, and pop culture fan, you can email me at aljon, A-L-J-O-N, at skullrockpodcast.com. And I'm Dave Bossard, artist, filmmaker, author, and welcome to our podcast. If you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, as well as like us and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm going to say LinkedIn because I'm on LinkedIn. As I'm on well. LinkedIn too. So you can add me. There here. you go. Yeah. yeah we're all on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. And uh, you can also uh, email me at Dave at skullrockpodcast.com. Happy holidays, Dave. Yeah. Happy holiday. I mean, we are in the thick of it. We are, <laughs> you know, slipping and sliding along here um, to uh, the end of the year. And I will tell you, I, I'm sure everyone feels this way. We can't wait for 2020 to be over. That's right. And be done with. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, one chapter closes, a new chapter begins. Hopefully we see light at the end of the tunnel where everyone can start enjoying each other's company. Hopefully the theme parks businesses will hopefully start you know, building back up. And, oh, uh, yeah. oh, Al John, I think, I think when they open the gates that they're, they're going to be at capacity uh, in a matter of hours, you know, right. Leave that. Yeah. I think there's going to be such, there's such pent up demand for people just to even walk around the park. Yeah, you know uh, whether it's Disneyland or Disney World or or one of the other parks around the world. Absolutely, I I, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Um, and in fact, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about some brand new merch because they just started selling some uh, merchandise from Avengers Academy right over there at Disneyland over there at uh, Downtown Disney. Downtown Disney. Yeah, so that's that's super exciting, and I'm looking forward to the Avengers Campus. I wish, I wish and hope that it's someday they're able to work out the differences between Universal Studios and Disney so that we can have a true Marvel addition to Walt Disney World and on the Disney World side. That'd be amazing. Oh, I think I think eventually they're going to get to that place. But, you know, before we get to some of that stuff, I, I want to acknowledge because today's Monday, December 7th. Obviously, it's a it's a World War Two anniversary, uh, the bombing of Pearl Harbor and uh, the entry of the United States into World War Two. But on a happier note, it is the birthday of uh, animation legend Fred Moore. Freddie Moore was born on this day in 1911. The other thing I wanted to point out is that uh, the second Silly Symphony cartoon, El Terrible Toreador, directed by Walt Disney and featuring music of Carl Stalling was released today in 1929. That's so cool. 
And the other short that I wanted to give a shout out to that was released on this day was the Donald Ducks uh, and Goofy short, No Sale, which was uh, released in 1945. And it was directed by Jack Hanna. And it's uh, Goofy and Donald uh, go sailing in a coin-operated rented boat but have no, they have to deal with sharks when they run out of nickels. How's I love that? It. I love it. You know, I used to, uh, I remember watching that in particular when we would stay at the Walt Disney World Resort and they mm-hmm. would have resort TV playing the Disney shorts. I, at the time, YouTube, it was like YouTube 1.0. So not a whole lot of uh, classic Disney clips were available online soon. They started kind of coming up. You know, and and then, uh, you know, Disney is now able to show those on Disney Plus, which is really cool. But I, I used to love watching those. And when you're talking about uh, Freddie Moore, uh, is there a particular because he was very integral to the early uh, early animation for for Disney, including uh, something that talk about a lot sorcerer's apprentice right for fantasia he was doing some of the character design i mean absolutely i mean you know fred redesigned mickey for the 1938 short brave little tailor that's right uh and um that was really the last significant appearance of the pie-eyed mickey mouse uh character and then he went on to redesign the character further into the sorcerer's apprentice um uh version of mickey mouse that we all love and and that sort of remains the official look of of mickey mouse to to, to this day it, it's really probably one of my most favorite uh versions of mickey mouse and and i have to say you know fred was such an incredible animator that some of the nine old men actually worked with him, worked for him uh, in the early 30s. Uh, so, you know, Fred uh, Fred was an amazing talent. He was a, a chum of uh, uh, Ward Kimball's. Uh, they were pals. And if you uh, remember in Pinocchio, uh, when they go over to Pleasure Island, uh, you've got uh, um, Fenwick, uh, who's a uh, essentially a caricature of uh, Freddie Moore? That's right. Uh, That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, but uh, you know, he had he had a, a tragic end. You know, passing away in in 1952. Uh, you know, Walt Walt actually fired him in the late 40s uh, for a brief period because he actually came to work drunk one too many times. You know, yeah. and uh, and it it was kind of sad, you know, and it, it it's an issue. Uh, obviously, alcoholism was an issue uh, over the decades with a lot of artists uh, that worked in animation. We know a lot more now than we knew back then, and there was no such thing as uh, you know human resources <laughs> at that time that that could allow maybe you know Fred to get some help. But uh, that said. I will say that Timothy Mouse, Mouse uh, one of my favorites that he he designed, and, and I feel that maybe he was able to bring some of what was good about Timothy into the re, I guess the reimagining, the redesign of Mickey Mouse, maybe. Yeah, you know something. You some I, I I think the guy was was just an amazing draftsman, and yeah. you know, talk about being able to draw the characters so dimensionally you know, and animate them in space. I mean, the, the guy just had the touch. I was going to say, along with those celebrations that you just mentioned, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Walt Disney because it was also his birthday this past week. 
Yeah, this past Saturday, uh, December 5th, Walt Disney was born in 1901. Man, what what else can we say about this guy? This is why we're here. It's it's all about, it all started, it actually all started with Walt Disney, right? That's right. It really and, did. Yeah. You know, and, by, yeah. And by the way, there was, there was a, uh, a little, uh, uh, an early sketchbook of his from 1918, 1919, that's up for auction in the Van Eaton uh, auction coming up. I think we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. I mean, there's a lot of really cool things. I love those auctions. You can always, for me, anytime I get a notification about one of these auctions, uh, estate auctions or something where private collectors letting some stuff go, it blows my mind what all they have, whether it's ride vehicles or a miniature train or something that Walt Disney had in his possession or maybe gave as a gift. And now this person has, has passed on. Uh, it's amazing what kind of come, what kind of stuff comes out of the woodwork. I know it, it really is. And, and there's always surprises and treasures that pop up, you know? Well, I'm looking um, forward to discussing that for sure. But uh, I, I love, I love the fact that at least in December, Walt and I share at least a birthday month and I'm down with that. That's right. It was your birthday <laughs> last week as well. That's right, man. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah we're, we're celebrating the birthday weekend. So we're, we're, we're happy with that. At least I'm happy with it this time. I think I think we're we're looking at margaritas and some Mexican food tonight. That's what I'm looking forward to. Excellent. I that love is it. excellent. Well, I can't look for that out here in California because <laughs> we're under a lockdown again. Well, they you see, well, that shut down all the restaurants and whatnot. So we're just staying indoors. That's right. Well, that's why we're doing like a hub grub thing. They're going to be delivering to the house. This is what we're doing. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Let's move that's on awesome. to what's going on in terms of news, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Skull Rock Podcast, ripped from the headlines. It's Skull Rock Podcast headline news. Oh man, Dave. Can you believe that another era might be coming to a close here? Well, you know, this is this is just another example of how big the Walt Disney Company is getting. They're getting so large that some of these legacy businesses that they have have gotten so small that they're they're just you know I, they're they're a pimple on an elephant's butt, yeah. you know, and they're just getting rid of them. Uh, it, it's really kind of uh, uh, interesting. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know what the uh, listenership was for Radio Disney, but it was a shadow of itself uh, from its heyday. Yeah, I remember watching a documentary. And by the way, um, Rob Plays is a great YouTuber. He's got this, um, this channel. He just renamed it. I think it's uh, from Main Street. Main Street, something or other. And so I apologize. I don't I don't have it up. But he did this wonderful mini documentary about Radio Awe moving and then to Radio Disney and what had happened about, you know, Disney always wanting to get into the children's radio format. But it's but coming from the world of FM radio, it was incredibly hard to sell. And it's just an amazing mini documentary about the ins and outs of radio and taking a concept and Disney adopting that concept in format and basically leaving the people that originally started it a little high and dry. But here we are uh, a good, almost 
you know, 25 years later, right? Yeah. And here we are, and it looks like they're shutting down early next year. This is from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, it's shutting down Disney Radio, Radio Disney and Radio Disney Country at the first quarter of next year, resulting in the layoffs of 36 full and part-time employees. And because of this restructuring, uh, part of that is going to be mandating an increase in production of content for a streaming platform, Disney Plus and Disney Channel. So while they're ramping up that type of production, that type of content, they're going to be abandoning some of the older revenue streams that they have. And I think it's just, once again, sign of the times. You know, Al John, you, you you know, you have a radio background. You were in FM radio. Yeah. A lot of the Disney Channel, I believe all of it was on AM, wasn't it? They started was it, was migrating. AM radio? Yeah, they started migrating to that. I think they only had a handful of stations and key markets that were operating in FM. And uh-huh. I can tell you that it was it's really small. It just has dwindled. And I think a lot of that is because of the advent of streaming and satellite radio. Definitely yeah. streaming these days. I mean, you can even tell that between Sirius XM moving to the more digital platform and other radio stations not only offering the terrestrial FM or AM band radio, but also offering streaming on an app because it seems like everybody, everybody's doing it. Everyone's yeah. doing it. You know, it, it, it's interesting because uh, the only time that I have gone to the AM uh, band on my radio is actually to go to KNX uh, radio out here in Los Angeles for traffic and weather. Yes. Uh, if I'm in the car uh, and even that I, I don't find myself doing anymore because if I hit a patch of traffic, uh, I oftentimes just pull up um, sig alert on my phone right. to see what's going on. Exactly. You know? Google Maps, Waze, there's just a lot of different ways people consume that information these days. And for a, I guess the bigger question is, is radio still, is terrestrial radio still viable in this day and age? And I say, yes, it is. However, well, at least FM, at least FM, at least FM is viable. AM uh, I don't know. I think people are accustomed to having a higher definition experience when it comes to their audio. Sure. And so, but it is sad, you know, radio Disney launched in 1996 and it had 23 stations during its peak. And it says in 2014, the company sold 22 of those stations and they moved to satellite and digital distribution. Yeah. So right now radio Disney may still be around, not in its current form, but maybe just as a channel on Sirius XM or digital or whatever the case is. And they, they could very easily continue radio Disney in a different format if they so choose. You know, I didn't even know they had a radio Disney country. Oh yeah. It's it's great. No idea. I never listened to it at all. I have to say on radio Disney, I never really listened to it, but I was actually interviewed on the Chicago affiliate many years ago uh, and went into their studio. But this was like, I think back in the nineties when it was like the heyday of Disney radio. Yeah. I think it's, I, I like radio Disney for what it does and what it tries to do. I just think that it, the, the platform needs to evolve and change and, you know, at least I can tell you that, you know, I, I help run Sorcerer Radio, which is a fan run streaming platform. 
and we're incredibly popular. You know, several million downloads of our app, hundreds of thousands of people listening to us every day. And it's difficult. It's difficult for a fan run station to keep the streaming platform due to how much we pay in bandwidth and licensing fees. It's wow. It's it's a lot. It's a yeah, lot. And yeah. of course, you know, we promote our our show, our podcast on those airwaves and different things like that. It's it's just a different beast these days. But it is very sad because I am such a fan of terrestrial radio. I still believe there is value. How that morphs and changes is 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 we'll we'll have to see how that that is doing there. It's just incredibly difficult to sell ad time these days. Incredibly difficult. Well, you know something. I um, I listen to terrestrial radio every day that I get into my car and go for a drive, uh, and I often listen to uh, KUSC out here in Los Angeles, which is the classical station, the only classical station in Southern California, and uh, I. I have I have their app on my phone, and I also uh, listen to it on my computer when I'm when I'm sitting here writing. I have the classical station on. It's just great background music, and I just love that channel. And it's listener supported, and maybe that's where it's all going to go to, you know, eventually be. Because I also listen to uh, a listener supported classical channel out of Maine. So, you know, but again, you know, everybody is, is moving on to the digital streaming platforms and you're able to download an app and listen to the radio anywhere you want in the world. Yeah. And I I just feel for some of these programmers and and air talent and and producers and salespeople that are losing their jobs. I mean, it's just the the streamlining uh, point for, for this past year. I mean, it's, it's all part of this pandemic and it's a, it's a shame. And my heart goes out to those people because I remember when my radio station switched formats uh, going from, rocked country i was a casualty you know yeah. and i told my program director at the time when they called me and said al john you're just too rock and roll i mean literally it's a it sounds cliche but it's just you're too rock and roll and i said well i get it i can learn i i can learn to do country i could i could do it and it's yeah. like no uh yeah. we just we're we just think that you're 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 either doing top 40 or you're doing alternative or rock and roll you're not doing you're not doing country i said okay you know, you just, yeah, well, it's what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. I, I mean, it's kind of crazy, but you know, this restructuring and the, the shutdown uh, really had a ripple effect this past week because Thursday there was a headline in the Hollywood Reporter that it was a bloodbath at Disney because a <laughs> right. hundred executives were being uh, laid off. And I, and I had to have a laugh because, you know, there were, when they announced 28,000 employees being uh, uh, laid off from parks and resorts and experiences. Uh, that was just 28,000 people are being laid off. Right. And, uh, but a hundred executives, my gosh, that's a bloodbath, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. I know. Right. It, it, is, it is interesting. Well, the, once again, I, I think it's funny. We, we chuckled about it, you and I, because it says, according to an insider, you know, someone that was disgruntled, obviously that, that told that, that had a, 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 you know, a little mole in there whispering someone's ear, but that's, isn't that how it always is whenever corporate people, 
get let go uh, and a bunch of them get let go at the same time. Oh, a bunch of heads got caught. Oh, Dave, you'll never believe what happened to the office today. You'll never believe what happened. It was a bloodbath. It was yeah. a bloodbath. The executive A, B, and C all the way to 20, the 26, A to Z, all of a sudden get their heads chopped off. You're like, oh. But, you know, I, I have to tell you guys something because – I, you know, have, you know, I was at the company for, you know, more than 30 years and I had been through so many of those layoff announcements and restructurings, you know, and survived them. But, but being on the inside and watching all of that, I have a view that, you know, the company goes through these peaks and valleys uh, and uh, when they're at a peak, the place is just stuffed with people. It's overmanaged. They had commit. They have committees that are examining the decisions of committees, mm-hmm. you know, and making decisions. And when you get to that place at a large corporation, it is time to go through with the weed whacker and uh, and really trim it back and cut it back. So when I hear that they're letting go a whole ton of vice presidents or senior vice presidents, EVPs and whatnot. Uh, To me, that's actually a good thing for the company overall, for the health of the company, because they do have to streamline down. uh, And, 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 you know, it was becoming such a bureaucracy. Yes. Uh, at, at that organization, it was like molasses to try and get decisions made because it was just managing by committees and, you know, committees managing committees. Yeah. And uh, and that's not a way to do business. Yeah, it's too top heavy. And I think in this day and age, agility is very important in the corporate world. And you have to be able to move quickly and make decisions as if you were a startup with that entrepreneurial spirit. And when you have that bureaucracy, as you mentioned, it gets really cumbersome really quick. But it, it does. Uh, yeah. Well, moving on, we alluded to this earlier because Walt Disney's birthday happened on December 5th. And you mentioned the Van Eaton Gallery in Sherman Oaks, just down the street from where you are. It seems like yeah. there's a bunch of memorabilia going up for auction, right? Well, there always is, you know, and Van, Van Eaton uh, is one of the big auction houses along with Heritage Auctions, and they're constantly having sales throughout the year. Uh, but there's, there's always that time when, you know, something very rare pops up. And in this particular instance, it's Disney's personal sketchbook from 1918 to 1919 wow. with some of his earliest drawings. And they're valuing this at 75 to 100 hundred thousand dollars it's gonna be interesting to see what it actually sells for no kidding i mean this is some rare this is like a a holy grail type of thing here yeah i mean this is back when walt was an ambulance driver in france uh you know for the red cross during world war one i mean that's pretty crazy yeah i i just can't wait to see what that draws (laughs) see what i did there so bad uh (laughs) but uh looks like there's a bunch of other things in there as well it it, was that postcard happen happened to be part of that uh that sketchbook included with it or is it something completely different 
Um, you know what? It uh, oh, it looks like, it looks like uh, that that's in there as okay. a separate item. Okay, uh, yeah. So there's a, I guess there's that's a that's a pretty well known uh, photo of him. Uh, it's been reproduced in a lot of books. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of photos. There's some, I guess, some uh, some correspondence, like postcards, and they are being valued very very highly especially if he hand wrote it and hand signed it there's mickey mouse classic mickey mouse wrist watches by the way i'm a big fan of mickey mouse watches um i have a friend gary who uh, listens to the show and he's a big mickey mouse watch collector and he was like al john do you have any idea how much this collection would go for it's like i am not the uh what is it that the the treasure hunter guy that was at the auction what was that yeah. uh roadshow roadshow antique roadshow <laughs> antique roadshow yeah yeah i am not that guy to tell you what any of this mickey mouse stuff is worth but i can tell you that i'm super jealous because it's it's really neat stuff but um so many things going up for auction was there something in particular dave that you might uh want at some point in your career something that uh you might want to get in your in your house, uh, memorabilia wise, from from Walter the Parks. You know what? Not really. I I mean I have so much stuff. I mean I'm trying to figure out how to get rid of some of it actually. Um, I you know you just collect stuff over the years, and you know a lot of it has sentimental value to me, so I'm not going to part with it. Um, uh, you know uh, there I have a lot lots of pieces of art uh, that have been personalized to me by the artist and things like that. Yeah. So um, you know I'm I I I have I collect stuff but i'm not i wouldn't consider myself a crazy collector they have here things that maybe some of us uh regular folk can maybe pick up it says a trash can from disney's polynesian resort uh that you can get maybe for a thousand to two thousand dollars uh there's also <laughs> some disneyland signs you know there's a nice picture there a disneyland railroad sign and i think those things would be super cool to have in the house i don't know where i might put this thing but i guarantee you i will find a place i will find I, a place I, I just have to have a, a, a i have to ask the question where does some of this stuff come from you know <laughs> did, did disney decide oh we're throwing away a polynesian trash can and did somebody fish it out of a dumpster and take it home and say, oh, I'll put that next to my pool uh, or, or you know, out in the backyard and then decide to sell it one day. Where do these things come from? Because it seems to me like some of that stuff may actually be Disney property. I don't know. I mean, it's it seems weird. Yeah, it seems to be like maybe they, you could get it at the character connect. What do they call those things for the, the, the cast members go out and shop and <laughs> the character connection or whatever they call it. Yeah. It's like the internal garage sale. Yeah, exactly. You know, for employees. Yeah, I don't here's know. Some, here's it's some sheets from the, from the pop century resort. Yeah. Have at it. I, look, I, I will tell you that I have, I have, I, I don't have any urge to purchase a trash can. No, I don't from, either. From one of the resorts. Okay. Well, I tell you what I, I, I do want, Dave, here's something I've always wanted to get an Aloha Isle or the enchanted Tiki room sign. If they ever mm -hmm. rebuilt it and they, decided to throw that out with a with a bath water that has to be here because I, i've always loved walt disney's enchanted tiki room the old podcast that i used to host with my wife had it was called the enchanted tiki room or the the tiki room and i'd love to have that big wooden sign and just 
mount it somewhere here in the house. That'd be amazing. You know, the, the, the one thing I do have to say is that I, I enjoy having one-off pieces, yeah. things that were given to me over the years that, you know, I, I've got some stuff from Imagineering, from the model shops that, that were given to me. And, and those, I really, I treasure those uh, because they're, they're just like one-off beautiful pieces um and uh you know maybe someday i'll part with them i guess you know that and that's the other thing you know when you're a collector i i view collecting as you're just the keeper of an object for a set period of time and then eventually you're going to you know pass it on you know well, uh, whether yeah. through the sale at an auction or giving it to somebody or you know leaving it to your children or whatever well i think uh my son and my daughter would be super happy about all the guitars they're going to be collecting when i'm gone <laughs> they'll be well, there you go i mean there you go honestly. and the disney but in the disney merch and the disney merch so uh how about this dave the possible merger of disney plus and hulu you sent me this link and it looks like this could be another way that they could leverage their content because they are a, I don't know uh, how many percentages uh, Disney holds of Hulu. I know they're the majority shareholder. I, th- I think they have like 75% of it now and they, and they are in charge of it from a management standpoint, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, from my, you know, from my view, I, 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 I had mixed feelings about this. I I was sort of like, you know, if you're going to fold Hulu into Disney plus, I mean, I don't, I'm not really sure to what advantage are, you know, are they, are they going to boost revenue by doing that? Uh, I know that the article talks about uh, the fact that Hulu has 22 or, you know, whatever is 25 million subscribers. Um, If you fold all those people into Disney plus, it'll, it'll put Disney at a hundred million plus subscribers. Um, You know, I, I thought that, for me, by you know having Disney and Hulu as part of the bundle with ESPN uh, allows me to go into Hulu to see you know a more adult-oriented type of shows that are not going to tarnish the Disney brand. Exactly know? right. Exactly right. And I am my wife and I are Hulu subscribers and we're also like you. I mean, we're founder circle members. So we're Hulu Disney plus we're not ESPN. Uh, we didn't get that bundle, but I, I, we watch Hulu all the time and not only for all the other streaming content and the great content that they do have horror movies and different things, the adult, more adult content, but uh, also for our local TV so we, we've totally cut the cord. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. There is a place for that stuff on Hulu, Deadpool movies, uh, the, all yeah. the different kind of con- uh, stuff that they have. I mean, look at all the content they have through Fox Studios now that they're able to put there on Hulu. Uh, and, if- and, that, and that's what I thought they were going to be doing is putting all that stuff over onto Hulu, all of the, you know, the library of films and whatnot. Uh, it, you know, so I, I, you know, again, I have mixed feelings about this and, you know, it's, uh, you know, they, I feel like they should just be two separate things, you know, bundle them together and sell them together. Uh, but uh, it really, to me, is is its own brand. Well, I'm going to skip 
around to this next part because it does kind of loop into the whole Disney Plus situation, which is the Black Widow. And it says that, uh, and we, we've known about this now for a few days, Black Widow, will it be announced uh, on the Disney Plus call, the investor call next week? Is it the investor call? There's some some type of media investor call that's going to be taking place on the 10th, just a few days away. And with the recent announcement that Warner Brothers is going to release, and this is later on in the show, we can talk about this, uh, a bunch of their content and movies for this next year on HBO Max. Do you believe that maybe Disney's looking to go ahead and make a huge announcement about all the films that they're going to be releasing on the platform? You know what? It's anybody's guess right now because of this pandemic. And I think that what Warner Brothers is doing, and by the way, um, uh, the guy running uh, uh, the studio over there, um, his name slips my mind. <laughs> uh, but he, he was actually the guy that ran Hulu. He launched Hulu. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, let me see here. Uh, I just want to get his... Uh, uh, his name, because it, it it's it is rather interesting that they did that, but I think it's because of it, it's uh, Jason Kalar, right? He's the CEO of Warner Media, so he made that announcement, and of course, there's been some backlash from uh, the theater owners, uh, including uh, the CEO of AMC, uh, Adam Aaron. Oh, can't be happy uh, about that. No, but but. You know, again, I think this may be a, a you know hell mary pass for uh, HBO Max because since they launched, they've only signed up like 22 million subscribers. You know, and and when you look at Disney Plus launching, and in 10 or 11 months, you know they got uh, 72, 74 million subscribers. Uh, you know. HBO Max has some catching up to do. And so with the uncertainty of whether when theaters are going to reopen and all of this, you know, these tentpole movies they've got, um, I at least they said they were going to do a, a day and date release on HBO Max and theaters. You know, right. but but the economics change because now the theater owners are going to get a bigger slice of the box office pie, you know, in order to, uh, you know, if they're going to show those movies. And that's what some of these articles have been talking about. It's an ever changing dynamic. And who knew who knows how, uh, what's going to happen? It just seems yeah. to me like as people look to make most out of their marketing efforts, shortening the window between released from theater to uh, streaming platform, uh, physical sales, as well as, uh, you know, streaming. Uh, it just seems like it's, this is the shortest even here day and date, everybody. And I'm sure maybe the same day of release, maybe you can get the physical copy as well, just to, to get all that uh, advantage of all the marketing involved. Look, look, I'm going to, I'm going to say this and I've said it before that when this pandemic is over, that people are going to want to go out to the theaters. People are going to want to have that communal experience again, and they want to get out of their houses. I know I do. And, you know, I've been pent up in my house since March uh, and we've been super careful. We we've really have stayed indoors uh, and stayed away from, you know, going out to crowded 
you know, uh, restaurants or anything like that. We haven't done it. Um, and we're, we're paranoid. We don't want to get COVID. And uh, all I can say is that once the vaccine is widely available, um, I'll tell you, people are going to be jamming the parks. They're going to be jamming movie theaters. They're going to be jamming restaurants, cruise ships, and uh, the airports. They're going to be wanting to get the heck out of Dodge because they've been cooped up for an entire year. Yeah. Well, they've already had to rearrange the Marvel slate once, delaying everything an entire year. So right now, Black Widow slated for release May 7th. We shall see about that. You know what? I, I'm pretty optimistic because uh, I think if they get this vaccine widely distributed and they're, they're talking about, you know, Walgreens and CVS and, you know, other um, uh, retail establishments that are in uh, your community where you can go over and get the vaccine. I, I honestly think that, you know, there's movies that look, I said this the other day to my wife and my daughter. I'm not going to watch the new James Bond movie on my TV. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. I want to see uh, that on an IMAX screen. Right. You know, right. and and um, these Marvel films from Disney, Star Wars films, I want to see those on a giant screen with a great sound system. Amen. That's what I want to do. Now, you know, it, I, yeah. may not, I may not go on opening weekend. I'll, I'll you know, let the crowds jam the theaters. I'll go a week yes. or two after it opens. Yes. But I'm telling you, that to me is is a great experience. And I don't think it's going away. Yeah. I really don't. And that's why theaters like the AMC Fork and Dine or the Alamo theaters where you can. And this is what my wife and I talked about. My wife talked about uh, this last night is that we love going to dinner in a movie at the movie theater and having drinks and cocktails and sitting in mm -hmm. the big chair because you, you buy that, that, that ticket and you have that experience of getting the movies and, and all the great food, the pub food, then you have the pitcher of beer, whatever. You just sit back and you relax and you enjoy it. Now, that is an experience. That's what I want to see come back. And I'm like you. If I was able to see Mission Impossible um, – you know, in IMAX, well, and I didn't see Mission Impossible, the last Mission Impossible in IMAX. Uh, that's what you want, right? That's what you you want to get that experience. And I, I wasn't able to go see the last Avengers movie in IMAX, but dang, dang it, I wish I did. Um, that would have been amazing. It was just, it, it was always sold out. So. <laughs> no, hey, listen, you know, I, I, I have to say that the landscape is shifting because of, of COVID. Um, you know, uh, the retail uh, uh, world is never going to be the same because people have quickly shifted uh, to online. Uh, but with movie theaters, I think the movie theaters have to step up to the plate and make it an experience to bring people in. Uh, and that partially is to you know, revamp how you do your uh, concession stand. And, and this, to me, this is a note to Jeff Bezos, uh, the CEO of Amazon, because, you know, Amazon has uh, what's known as Amazon Go stores. That's right. Where there's no cashiers. 
you know, you, you walk in and you swipe your card uh, and they have the technology that tracks you all around the store. Everything you pull off a shelf and put into your basket uh, is being kept track of and you just walk out of the store with the stuff. It's, right. a, it's more of a convenience store. It's not doing like full on shopping, but more yes. of a convenience store. I want to see Amazon take that technology and put it into the concession stand yes. at a movie theater. Amen. That's what I want to see them do. Amen. Amen. You Let's know? do it. Be, Let's do it. I want to swipe a card, walk along, take stuff off and walk off into the theater. I don't, I don't want to stand in these lines. And this has been the same for the last 50 years or more that I've been going to the movie theaters is that you get on a line and there's some slack jawed pimply faced kid who's in slow motion behind the counter uh-huh. getting stuff. And it's like, you could stand in line, uh, you know, on a popular weekend it's not unheard of to be standing in line for 15 or 20 minutes to get something at the concession stand. It's well, not even uh, worth it. Nope. That's where John Taffer from Bar Rescue has to walk in there and redo the theater system because it is not meant for speed or accuracy when it's taking your order or getting your 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 stuff, your popcorn and your your candy and your drinks. It is not set up very well. It should be set up like a well-oiled bar, but it's not. But they also have this technology, Dave. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but it's called vending machines. Maybe they can install <laughs> a few of those so that we can just grab our stuff and go because standing in line sucks. So anyway. Listen, it, it really does. And, <laughs> and again, I think that if some of these theater chains can just step up to the plate and start looking towards the future and look at what they can do to boost the experience, my gosh, you know, do it because the concession stands have not changed in in in, in decades, you know, and they need, they're ripe for it. And it's a profit center for the theaters. If you, if you make it really simple and really easy for a patron to go through and grab what they want, they're, they're going to boost their revenue, you yeah. know, because I'll tell you right now, there are tons of people at the multiplex I go to that bring their own stuff. Yeah, they don't. They, they, people are coming in with bags of, of beverages and snacks and whatnot, and they go right to their seat and they have that what they want. They're not going to wait online, and you know they're not enforcing the you can't bring your own stuff into the theaters. It's a big you know? drag. I don't like to. I don't like to miss. Um, you know, any action with the movie, and that's why we like to do that whole dinner and a movie thing at those those. Uh, restaurant movie theaters just because if you want something to drink you just sit there and they'll deliver it to you without mm-hmm. being obtrusive that's what i like about it but anyway yes the, uh, but, they, but here's the thing al john <laughs> not everybody can go to those that's true I, I remember going to a gold circle theater in pasadena with a buddy of mine and it was like 25 bucks a piece to get in yeah. and uh, and we, yeah we sat in a beautiful leather recliner and we had an end table and we had a button you press the button and somebody comes right to your seat and says what can i get you and i said well i'd like a box of snow caps and the snow caps came to me in a a large martini gal, uh, glass. They opened the box and poured them into a, a martini glass. Yeah, and put them on on the night you know, on the the uh, the nightstand next to the chair. I of mean, it's amazing. Did. Of course they did. Isn't that great? Yes. Though? Well, anyway. Yeah. Uh, anyway, right. yeah. It's, uh, 
Well, I could I could rag on this f- until doomsday. Yeah, you and uh, I, you be, and I are the be, same be, be, because you know I I go to the movies when you know in normal times I go to the movies once a week. I try and go out and see a lot of stuff. I I'm a, a big fan of the movies and I like movie theaters. I'm gonna leave you with this one little thing. Okay, movie passes, just, just a subscription yeah. pass for movies. They tried it once, not very good. I think it's time for them to do it again. And when the theaters are back up and running at full strength, sell subscription passes to see movies and give these members some great perks so that they can go populate your movie theaters and keep people employed. That's how we're going to win with experience and subscriptions and perks for watching movies. That's and one what of the per- one of the perks can be a fast pass at the concession a- stand. Well, shoot, <laughs> amen to that. I'll take it. Hey, uh, speaking about speaking about movies, you know, George Lucas in a recent interview had mentioned the reason why he walked away uh, from directing the the last sequel trilogy, and he admitted that at the time, this is through comicbook.com, at the time I was starting the next trilogy i talked to the actors and was starting to gear up i was also about ready to have a daughter with my wife melody melody's awesome uh it takes 10 years to make a trilogy episodes one through three took me from 1995 to 2005 he said uh for the star wars archives he said quote i'll still be working on the next episode in 2012 i would be 69 so the question was how am i going to do this uh, for the, am I going to do this for the rest of my life? Do I want to go through this again? Finally, I decided I'd rather raise my daughter and enjoy life for a while. Um, interesting, interesting thoughts. Hey, um, you know something? Uh, more power to him. I love it when I see stories of people who uh, essentially just say, I've done it, I and walk away. Uh, you know, Francis Ford Coppola, uh, is another one that walked away from the film business and, you know, has a wonderful winery and puts out wonderful wines. I love his wine. But, but you know something? It's like, live your life. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, Lucas uh, uh, did a great thing by putting the Star Wars franchise in the hands of a company like Disney. Yeah, I, I do too. And I think that they are only... A, a, just shy of really naming the heir apparent to to Lucasfilm, um, you know, take say what you like about Kathleen Kennedy and the different decisions that have been made uh, since the purchase of of Lucasfilm in 2013 by the Disney company, but I will say, Favreau and Filoni, those are the two I trust on the ticket there to, to mm. run things over there at Lucasfilm and make sure uh, if if the Mandalorian is not uh, a, a barometer, an indicator of what can be done to help service and unite fans. I don't know what is. The yeah, series yeah. is amazing. It's so super brilliant. The last two episodes, Dave, have been great. I don't know if you binged watched the I last am, part. I'm all caught up. You're all, all caught, caught up. up. In fact, I, I was, you know, shaking my fist because I wanted to see the next episode and it yes. won't be up until next week. But I know, right? <laughs> uh, well, once again, it's just a, a brilliant piece. The last episode, the last two episodes have been absolutely brilliant. So uh, I, I look forward to seeing the rest of what The Mandalorian has to offer. And I'm happy for George Lucas. Here's an interesting story for our listeners and you, Dave. So when George Lucas was being uh, inducted into the Disney Legends at D23 Expo several years back, I was actually next to him in the park 
my wife and I were, of course, at the Enchanted Tiki Room with our friends Bubba and Taylor. And we're getting a Dole Whip, getting ready to go into the Tiki Room. And we turn around and Bub goes, Aljot, Aljot, look to your left. I look to my left. Lo and behold, it is George. It's George's entourage. I think Melody, his wife, was with him as well. And he, we all sat down and we sat down next to him and we turn around. Of course, his handlers were all there and they knew that I was looking at George and I just couldn't believe it. The entire time we're singing the Tiki Room song and we're watching the birds come down and everything. And there he is tapping his foot and singing along. What a great, it was so great to see him enjoy, uh, from my understanding, one of his favorite attractions, which was the Enchanted Tiki Room. So there you go. Uh, that's awesome. That um, is really awesome. By it. the way, just getting back to Mandalorian. Yes. One of the things I really, really enjoy about the Mandalorian is the end credits and the artwork. Yes. I absolutely love the production design artwork that they put up. It's just gorgeous. It's like watching the bonus features of a DVD. And yeah. I love seeing that production, just the way they uh, illustrate the child and the different concepts, uh, almost like storyboards for the entire episode. It's really, it's it's quite beautiful. I mean, I have to say, I am not looking at the names. I'm looking at that artwork behind it. it it's it's just, it's beautiful. And, and I hope that they, you know, somebody takes all of that artwork and puts it into a book, you know, a Mandalorian book of art, you know, it's, oh. it's gorgeous. The, the, hey, you know what, Dave, you, you better go ahead and pitch that right now. <laughs> go ahead, take it and, and, and make a new book of uh, Mandalorian art. Go ahead and do it. I'll tell you that that'd be something that would be torn off the shelves. No kidding. I would buy that in a heartbeat. That would look amazing as a coffee table book. But well, another thing that looks amazing is people's first chance to get their very own spider bot from Avengers campus at Disneyland resort. And they just now are opening that whole side up over there at the downtown Disney district. And you can purchase your sidekick, your friendly neighborhood spider bot that puts you in control of the action to battle opponents with pre, uh, programmed combat and defensive abilities. You can have your little spider bot crawl backwards and forwards, crouch, spin in 360 degrees, stare down their enemy, their opponent with their laser eyes and blast off their shields. And uh, it's super cool looking. Um, what I mean, exactly what is this? I mean, so I, it's I like don't a, know. It's like it, a it, little remote controlled uh, crawling spider that's maybe about the size of a loaf of bread. Okay. And, okay. and uh, so these little autonomous things are basically remote controlled robots. And much like the droids from Star Wars Galaxy's Edge that you can wear in your backpack, I believe that these spider bots have this built in chip where when you walk around Avengers campus, it can be alerted that there's danger on the horizon and your little robot sidekick, your spider bot will be able to kick in and alert you and maybe trigger some events on your phone. So it'll further your experience. Like you're a part of the Avengers and you'll be able to get sucked into all of these different things. So it's just, now, another... is, it, is, is this something that you buy uh, yeah. or is it, you buy your own spider bot and, yes. and it'll follow you around. Yes. And, you can uh, have it. Yep. Uh, and, and you can take it home with you. That's right. Okay. Yeah. It's one of those really neat kind of virtual, uh, 
Well, it's not a virtual. It's an actual toy pet, uh, yeah. robot controlled pet. But it is. It, it's uh, if you're an annual pass holder, you'll you've already you've already uh, been able to take reservations for it over at the downtown Disney district. And then there is a pre-sale event that went on. Everybody got their stuff. But yeah, right now you can continue to buy those how things much, while they have. How much are they selling for? Good question. Uh, I don't know exactly. I'm sure they're like a hundred bucks. It got to be. Yeah, maybe they got to be know. like a hundred bucks. I'm clicking that link for the Disneyland pass holders, but uh, yeah, it says it. Uh, yeah, ooh, let me let me click on this. Uh, they recently just sold a bunch of really cool new merch too. The Avengers merch that they have there, uh, annual pass holder buttons and things like that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how much it is. Um, it it doesn't list it on the site, and I had no. I was just not going to purchase a spider bot yet. I, I want to go in and maybe build one, you know? Um, sure. You know, I want to do that whole thing. But uh, recently they just released, by the way, Dave, this really cool thing. I, it, I, they're all sold out within 35 minutes, but a limited release of a Funko pop of Walt Disney holding a little Mickey mouse in a tiny castle uh, for the 65th anniversary. Wow. And they, that sold out and it was probably like 25 bucks and they probably sold it out in like 35 minutes. That's what Bub, or my buddy Bubba told me, but Jeez. I, this limited run merchandise is insane. It's so good. Yeah. And, and, and they just, they run on it. They run on it. Absolutely. You don't have, if you're a casual fan, a casual collector of some of this stuff, you haven't got a chance. Nope, absolutely not. And, and yeah. that's why I knew I was just not going to do it, but well, we're going to wrap some things up here. Now, we did uh, mention Warner Brothers getting mixed reactions from having the theater owners, um, from theater owners in regards to the release of all of their film slate for next year. Um, I've got a list of these movies. What are your thoughts on this move and maybe some of the movies you might be looking forward to from the WB this year? Next well, all, all I can tell you is that, you know, a film like Dune, yeah. Uh, or um, what are some of the other tent poles they have? So coming they've out? got uh, uh, my favorite is going to be coming out next year, and this is gonna this is gonna make me want to go ahead and get HBO Max this coming year. Mortal Kombat. I'm a huge mm-hmm. karate movie uh, kung fu fan, so yes, Mortal Kombat January fifteenth. Uh, the Little Things January nineteenth. Tom and Jerry March five. But the Many Saints of Newark March twelfth. Uh, reminiscence on the 16th of April. And here we go. Godzilla versus Kong, May yep. 21st. That's you can't off. watch a Godzilla movie on a TV. No, how, that is it. That you gotta is, see, you, you got to see that in all its glory on a big screen. Yes, sir. Especially now that Godzilla looks like the old classic Godzilla. I'm down with that. Uh, the Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Also a big fan of the Conjuring series. That is June 4th. And then The Heights, uh, June 18th. Space Jam, A New Legacy. That's going to be interesting to see. A little, uh, uh, you know, a little throwback to the old uh, Bugs Bunny cartoon with uh, Michael yeah. Jordan, July 16th. Uh, another one that I'm looking forward to is The Suicide Squad. That's another James Gunn production. As you mentioned, J- uh, Dune coming out October 1st. That's going to be huge. I love the first Dune. This is going to be great. King Richard, November 19th. Looking forward to this, The Matrix Part Four, December. Yeah, that 27th. was that was the other one I was going to uh, mention as well. But uh, you know, I think you know Dune coming out October first. I mean, that, the theaters are going to be reopened by then. Yeah, it's it's going to be. I want to see a film like Dune or Matrix on a big screen. Amen uh, to that. 
And uh, and I'm willing to bet that next summer is going to be a robust uh, summer for movie going uh, because of the the fact that we're going to be beyond uh, this uh, pandemic. Absolutely. I've got this little clip here for you, Dave. Let's see if it brings up any memories. It's so great. It's so great. Lenny in the squig tones, I think one of my, uh, one of my favorite introductions before Kramer entered the room off kilter, there was always Lenny coming in saying, hello girls. Hello girls. Hello ladies. Uh, David Lander who played Squiggy and Laverne and Shirley passes away at the age of 73. And uh, he was best known as Squiggy on the ABC sitcom Laverne and Shirley. Died Friday evening at Cedar sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. And he was 73. Died from complications to multiple sclerosis that he battled for 37 years. He went public in 1999. He's worked closely with the MS Society, speaking out about his experiences with related conferences. And he starred opposite Michael McKeon, uh, another great comedian and musician who played Lenny. And they were uh, the characters were developed by longtime friends and collaborators while they were students at Carne- Carnegie Mellon uh, University. And uh, it is definitely sad because those two were one of the reasons why I watched Laverne and Shirley growing up and never missed Laverne and Shirley or Happy Days growing up. It's very sad. 73 uh, that's young and and I also have to say that he worked in the industry for about 15 years after he was diagnosed with MS uh, before he ever told anybody about it uh, yeah. and I thought that was interesting uh, he said you know in in past interviews that you know hey you know he he was able to work he wasn't in a wheelchair he you know uh went about his uh, his life and uh it was no one else's business and so he, he kept that under under wraps for 15 years before he let it out publicly yeah it was great stuff he uh, as you said he did work uh did some roles on the drew carey show twin peaks a league of their own um so many different things. He also did a number of voiceovers for DC comics, animated movies and who framed Roger rabbit as well was in there. Um, so yeah, just, uh, but once again, a very great life for an excellent actor. He will be missed for sure. Um, rest in peace, David Lander. Your attention, please. (laughs) Now loading on track number one, for a trip around Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. Skull Rock Podcast. All aboard. Your main street to the world of Disney. We're wrapping the show up. And Dave, it's been awesome talking all things Disney with you again. Um, Always. I, 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 it's the holiday season. So I once again, holiday love to everyone. Once again, you're not alone. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And if you're a big fan of uh, the show, 
Disney and pop culture, please subscribe. Consider subscribing to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You know, you may have caught this show and said, hey, what's this all about? And you're just listening for the first time. Well, we'd like to welcome you into the family. Subscribe to the show. Follow us on all our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Dave uh, Bossard on LinkedIn. Me on on LinkedIn as well. Al John Go. And you can also email us, uh, Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com or John at SkullRockPodcast.com. Dave, do you have any uh, parting words for our good listeners there? No, you know, this is our first show of uh, December. And uh, I have to say that there's a lot of uh, interesting uh, birthdays and anniversaries. Uh, We talked about Walt being born on December 5th. He also passed away on December 15th. And December 15th is also the 20th anniversary of the premiere of Emperor's New Groove. Mm. And... uh, you know, it's uh, uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. I can't wait for 2021 to hit. I'm I'm very optimistic. We're at the the end of this dark tunnel, and we see the light uh, with this vaccine that's going to get distributed. And uh, we've got some fantastic shows uh, lining up uh, in the coming weeks. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us on this program, Dave. I look forward to. Uh, talking more Disney, and especially about Emperor's New Groove. That'd be great. And maybe uh, next week we can talk about maybe some of your favorite uh, uh, Christmas things at the parks. Uh, maybe you, you had your hand in some of these special projects uh, in mm-hmm. terms of parades and things. That'd be amazing. Yeah, we'll talk about some of that, and uh, we may have a surprise guest next week. Ooh, I love surprises. Well, until next week, on behalf of Dave, I'm Al John. We'll see you next week. Take care. I'm Al John Go, co-host of the Disney List podcast as heard on Sorcerer Radio, as well as Skull Rock Podcast, here with my wife, Kristen. Hello. Hello. You are an earmarked agent who books Disney travel, vacations for people all the time. Give our listeners a reason why they want to give you a call instead of just booking a trip by themselves. Well, I can do all of the legwork for them. I have expertise. I've been to the Disney parks well over a hundred times. So they've got that knowledge at their hand as well as it saves them time and money. Where can people get in touch with you so that they can book their next Disney cruise, Disney park trip, adventures by Disney? They can contact me at themeparksandcruises at gmail.com. Skull Rock Podcast is made possible by listeners like you. To support our show, visit anchor.fm forward slash Skull Rock Podcast and click on the support button like our good friends, Lindsay, Charles, and now Spencer. Thank you so much for supporting the show. If you're interested in advertising on our show, feel free to send us an email, dave at skullrockpodcast.com or aljohn, A-L-J-O-N, at skullrockpodcast.com. I'm Kristen Hetzel, vacation planner, world traveler, Disney foodie, and theme park fan. I'm Al John Go. I'm the husband who's also Disney, Star Wars, and Marvel Comics fan. And together, we host the Disney List Podcast. Every week, you'll hear us list our favorite things about Disney theme parks, films, shows, travel, Marvel, and Star Wars in a top 10 list, rankings, and more. That's an impressive list. Subscribe to the Disney List Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast platform. 
can even stream us on Sorcerer Radio at srsounds.com and check out our live shows on Facebook, The Disney List Podcast. Visit thedisneylist.com.